Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. stand please we're just gonna praise God real quick and just God we come before you God we thank you God this night God we call upon your name this night God we ask uh, that you would speak to us I pray for your word God I pray for your anointing I pray that you would minister to us tonight and to you be all the glory all the honor and praise in Jesus name amen all right you guys can see all right oh so how did I get up here uh, I ended up getting up here because I was we played a trivia game at the Bible study and I won, and then I thought I was gonna get a reward, but instead they said you're gonna do a Bible study. I did a Bible study and then now Pastor asked me to speak, so that's how I got up here. Uh, I haven't spoken in like 18 years, so I might be a little rusty. Uh, um, I call them my silent years, you know, because I just uh, I've been listening, and I've been doing a lot of listening, you know, listening to the word and people speak, and, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I can't believe you said that, or that's a good message. Not you, Pastor Knight. Uh, so I was just, uh, I was kind of, I, I didn't know what else, what to speak on, but um, God put in my heart to speak about uh, about the journey, that's what I named this. I titled this message "The Journey," and uh, but before we start, uh, I have a couple of jokes, just the icebreakers. Why didn't Noah ever go fishing? Anybody? Because he only he only had two worms. Did did Eve ever have a date with Adam? Nope, just an apple. One more. Who who is the smartest man in the Bible? Abraham. He knew a lot. All right. All right. So, so the title of the message is called The Journey. Uh, I, I titled this message because our Christian walk with God should be viewed as a journey. So tonight we're going to look into the journey of Abraham. Uh, Genesis 22, 1 through 14. If you can turn there. You got your Bibles. All right, so here we go. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take your, now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of, of which God had told him. 
Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and and his father said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your, your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is, as it is this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So, so uh, we're going to come back to this, this passage. But uh, first, I want to show you some of the highlights of Abraham's life. And there's uh, so much about Abraham that uh, I, had to, I had to stop. And I had to just like, I had to tell God, stop. Because it was just too much. So I, I'm going to give you some of the highlights. Uh, Abraham, his, first, his name was known, he was known as Abraham. Abraham, Abraham. And which meant high father. God later on changed his, God later on changed his, changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Uh, the Bible says that we too, when we get to heaven, we're going to get a new, a new name in Revela Revelations 2.17. says we're going to get a white stone with a new name on it. Abraham is mentioned 308 times in the Bible. Three religions recognize Abraham as the father of their faith. The Jews, the Muslims, and us, the Christians. Abraham is known as, a, as Father Abraham. Does anybody know that song, Father Abraham? All right. I don't have to teach you guys. <laughs> well, if we have time afterwards. Uh-uh. Oh, Anyway, Abraham came from a privileged family. It is believed that Abraham grew up in a pagan home. Terah was his father. He was an idolater. He made and sold idols. There's even a story in Jewish tradition about how Abraham one day bro broke all his father's idols in his shop with a stick. And he, and he, and he left the stick in the biggest idol's hands. When his dad saw it and asked what happened, Abraham, Abraham said that the idol had done it. But his dad said, that's impossible. It can't be. It's just stone. And Abraham said, exactly. You're exactly right. It's just the stone. There is only one true God. 
The Bible tells us that Abraham's dad decided to move to Canaan. He takes with him Abraham and his wife Sarah, along with Lot, his grandson. On the way to Canaan, Abraham, Abraham's father dies in Haran, which is now Turkey. God, calls, God then calls Abraham while at Haran, and at age, at the age of forty, at the age of seventy-five, God promises him to be a great nation, to bless him, and not just to bless him, but that he himself will be a blessing. Let's go to Genesis twelve. One and three. It reads, uh, Now the Lord said to Abram, Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This, this blessing included a land, a nation, and that even Jesus was going, to be, was going to come from his offspring. According to verse 3, the last sentence, it says, and, you shall, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's talking about that even, that's, that's a reference to Jesus. We see here how God begins to speak to Abraham face to face. Abraham accepts the call, and his journey with God begins. In verse 1, uh, it begins with God saying, get out of your country. But Abraham, Abraham had just left his country with his dad. It's as if God was telling Abraham to come back. It's, like, it's, it's as if God, if God was telling Abraham not to, come, not to go back anymore after his dad died. Abraham probably had still his country, and his heart. It, 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 it's as if though Abraham wanted to go back when his dad died. But God steps in and tells him to continue to leave. The call of God came to Abraham. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel? When you gave your life to Christ? That's when your journey with God begins. That same calling is still there for all mankind today. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Now is the day of salvation. God is still calling you right now. It wasn't easy, it wasn't easy for Abraham. It was costly for Abraham. He was going to be an outsider, kind of when you become a Christian. We leave the world, our old lifestyle. We take up our cross and follow Christ. People who, thought, people who you thought were your friends don't want to be your friends anymore because they want you to remain in sin with them. Nevertheless, Abraham accepted the call and went. He never went back. He never, he never went back, and he gave it all up. As he gave everything up, he gained the blessing. He gained God's blessing upon his life. We also gained this blessing of Abraham. We have it because of Christ. In this verses, it's basically saying, you will, be, you will be blessed, you and your descendants. He's saying that to Abraham. You will be blessed, you and your descendants, but also the Gentiles that have accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts. 
they will have the same blessings that I have blessed you with. In Galatians 3.8, if you can put that up. If not, I can find it. Galatians 3.8. Here we go. There it is. The script. We see what is called here the gospel in advance. And we can, I guess, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, And you all the nations shall be blessed. And in Galatians 3.29. It says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We see that once in Christ, we the Gentiles cash into Abraham's blessing. We are now Abraham's seed. We are now Israelites. We have been adopted. We are now descendants of Abraham. We are blessed with Abraham. We have the same God Abraham got. We have the same God Abraham had. We get it all. But, but for what purpose? The goal of the blessing is to make you a blessing. He blesses you with education, wealth, jobs, family, whatever God has blessed you with. It's not to hold on to, but to give it away. We are to be a blessing to others that they might get saved. Are you a blessing or are you a burden? Proverbs eleven twenty four. If you can turn there. Oh, there it is. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. So we're not to we're not to hold on to our blessing just to ourselves. We're to share it and and bless other people. Uh, if you can go back to Genesis two and twelve, two uh, verses two and three. Here we see the 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 I wills. And and you see the you shall you shall the I wills in verse two it says I will make you a great nation that's an I will I will bless you that's another I will and make your name great that's considered another I will but the 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 one that sticks out is and you shall be a blessing that's like God commanding and saying you are gonna be a blessing so since we're gonna be a blessing we're not supposed to hang on to it, we're supposed to give it away. Abraham continues his journey with the blessing. He and Sarah, along with his nephew Lot, moved from Haran to the land of Canaan, which is now Jerusalem. God's, God appears to him while in Canaan and promises him the land, also known as the land of milk and honey. Later on, Abraham begins to question God in Genesis 15, 1-6. And it's uh, Genesis 15, 1 through 6, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall be your heir, but this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. 
Then he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and, it, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So here, uh, Abraham questions God about his promise. Abraham tells God that he has no hair of his own body, plus Sarah, his wife, was barren, and the only one that would inherit the blessing would be Eleazar, his servant. But God reassures his promise. Have you ever, had, have you ever questioned God about his promises? God appears to Abraham in Genesis 17. He reassures his promises his promise once again and changes his name from Abraham to Abraham. God also changes Sarah's name, Sarah's name, which was it was Sarai's to Sarah. Sarai meant princess, my princess, changed it to Sarah, mother of nations. And he tells Abraham that she will give him a son at her old age of 90 years old. Abraham laughs and questions it. In Genesis 18, Three angels appeared to Abraham while he sat in front of his tent in the heat of the day. They were on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham offers them some Middle Eastern hospitality, and they eat. They tell Abraham that Sarah was going to have a son. Sarah hears it from the tent, and she laughs. This is where we get the name Isaac, which means laughter. Some time passes on, and in chapter 21, Isaac is born. So from the time that God promised Abraham in chapter 12 to chapter 21, it was 25 years. It took 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled. So now here Abraham gets a glimpse of the promise to be a great nation. Then after that, 13 years pass by and Isaac is almost a teenager. This is where chapter 22 picks up. Abraham... Abraham's journey leads up to this event. So we're going to go ahead and go back to um, Genesis 22. And we're going gonna, gonna to break this chapter down. So verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, now it, came after, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, and he said to him Abraham, and he said, here I am. This is a passage of scripture where skeptics say, how could you to sacrifice a child? The Quran, the Muslim Bible, talks about this, but they believe that it was Ishmael, not Isaac, who was chosen as a sacrifice. And the Quran does not even mention, it doesn't even mention Ishmael. They just assume it's Ishmael because that's the one, that's, all the Arabs are descendants of Ishmael. And so most of the Arabs are Muslims. And so they assume that it was Ishmael that was to be, to be uh, chosen to be a sacrifice. We see from this passage that God tested Abraham, which means God, would also, God, will, always, God will also test us. We already know that God blesses, that God's blessing is upon our lives, that we are that we are a blessed people. But now we see another side of God's character. We see, we see God, we see that God tests us. Why does God test us? Some reasons why God tests us is to develop our character, to strengthen us. He uses it to deepen our faith. 
through that pressure, we go to God in prayer. He has a purpose behind it. He doesn't do it to get a kick out of it. A test reveals what you're made of. It shows your character. A test reveals the faith in our hearts. Faith will be tested. Just because we are saved and have the same blessings of Abraham doesn't mean we will have it easy all the time. Abraham himself was, Abraham himself was tested. In John 16.33, you can turn there. Jesus gives us a promise. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus gives us a lot of promises, and this is one of them, that we will have tribulation, that we will have testings. So enjoy the days that you don't have any testings. Don't ask God for a test. It's, a, it's not a question if you're going to be tested, but it's when you are going to be tested. It's been said that you are either going through a test, a trial, or that you just went through one, or that one is just around the corner. So don't be surprised like Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12. If you can, there it is. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing that had, has happened to you. We can't be, those are the ones that, the ones that catch you off guard. Um, sometimes they can make you bitter. They can make you bitter towards God. So that's why the Bible warns us not to be surprised. God sometimes uses a test to show you that the things in life you thought matter really don't matter. Like being number one at something or having the best, the best of this or the best of that. It can be anything you value. A test gives you a different perspective of life. I remember 25 years ago when I was a baby in Christ, some guy told me, oh, you're a Christian? He goes, he goes I don't want to be a Christian. My mom's a Christian, and she goes through a bunch of stuff. She gets sick. She, she goes through a bunch of stuff. I don't want to be a Christian. I was like, all right. And I was a baby in Christ, so I was like, okay. Some other brother told me, hang on to the ride. So what happens when you pass a test at school? You go to the next level. God takes you to the next level in your faith with God when you pass. God wants you to pass the test. It always feels better when you pass than fail. Unfortunately, we fail the test sometimes. We all fall short. Abraham failed a, failed a few times. He fell two times out of fear when he asked, when he asked Sarah, his wife, to say that she, that she was his sister in Genesis 12, 11 to 13. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful continence. Therefore, what happened when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that I may be well with, with me for your sake, and, it, and that I may live because of you. And later on in chapter 20, the same thing, he does the same thing. Sarah probably was like, really? Didn't God promise us that you were going to curse those, that, that he was going to curse those who cursed us? 
Sarah, in fact, was his half-sister. But when, when God first called Abraham, he was already married to her. Abraham was a sinner. Later on, the Bible talks about, the, the Bible forbids incest. All Abraham, all Abraham had to do was just be honest, and God would have protected him regardless. Abraham also failed a test when he tried to help God out by going into Sarah's maidservant, Hagar. Let's go to uh, Genesis 16, 1 through 4. Now Sarai, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain, my, obtain children by her. And Abraham indeed, and Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Abraham was like, okay, to Sarah's idea. Ishmael, he was born after that. Abraham failed to be still and wait upon God, to let God do it in his own time. Ishmael was a work of the flesh. God doesn't recognize the works of the flesh. Many Christians are trying to help God out. God will not reward, reward works of the flesh. Be careful in trying to help God out in, in something he's not into. Abraham passes the test with Lot. The land was, he, 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 passed, he actually passes this test with Lot. And what happened with Lot is that the land was not able to support Abraham and Lot because their flocks grew. Fights began to break out between the servants of Abraham and Lot. Let's go to Genesis 13, 8 through 13. So Abraham took, said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Verse 13. But, men, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So here we see that Abraham passes the test. Abraham didn't get angry with Lot. Because of what was happening, he didn't escalate. He didn't. He didn't uh, continue to to fight. He didn't lose a fuse. He didn't tell Lot to leave. He didn't flip out. But he became a a peacemaker. He gives Lot the first choice of the land. Lot chooses the land near Sodom because it was greener. But greener is not always better. 
the grass always looks greener on the other side. That's probably Lot's quote right there. Lot's choice, Lot's choice proved to be a foolish one as the wickedness of Sodom was very great according to verse 13. Lot's lesson illustrates the folly of making decisions based on external experience, uh, appearances. Proverbs 14.12 There's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. the word. Amen. He brought, a, he brought a new shirt. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, can we have everybody stand, please? We're just going to praise God real quick and just. God, we come before you, God, we thank you, God, this night, God, we call upon your name this night, God, we ask uh, that you would speak to us, I pray for your word, God, I pray for your anointing, I pray that you would minister to us tonight, and to you be all the glory, all the honor and praise, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can see it. All right. Oh. So how did I get up here? Uh, I ended up getting up here because I was... We, Played a trivia game at the Bible study and I won. And then I thought I was going to get a reward, but instead they said you're going to do a Bible study. I did a Bible study and then now Pastor asked me to speak, so that's how I got up here. Uh, I haven't spoken in like 18 years, so I might be a little rusty. Um, um, I call them my silent years, you know, because I just. Uh, I've been listening, and I've been doing a lot of listening, you know, listening to the word and people speak. And, you know, sometimes you're like, man, I can't believe you said that, or that's a good message. Not you, Pastor Knight. Uh, so I was just, uh, I was kind of, I, I didn't know what else, what to speak on, but um, God put in my heart to speak about um, about the journey. That's what I named this. I titled this message the journey and uh, but before we start uh, I have a couple of jokes just the icebreakers why didn't Noah ever go fishing anybody because he only he only had two worms did, did Eve ever have a day with Adam nope just an apple one more. Who who is the smartest man in the Bible? Abraham. He knew a lot. All right. All right. So so the title of the message is called the journey. Uh, I I titled this message because our Christian walk with God should be viewed as a journey. So tonight we're going to look into the journey of Abraham. Uh, Genesis 22, 1 through 14. If you can turn there. You got your Bibles. All right, so here we go. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take your, 
now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of, of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and, and his father said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your, your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is, as it is this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So, so uh, we're going to come back to this, this passage. But uh, first I want to show you some of the highlights of Abraham's life. And there's uh, so much about Abraham that uh, I, had to, I had to stop and I had to just like, I had to tell God, stop. Because it was just too much. So I, I'm going to give you some of the highlights. Uh, Abraham, his, first, his name was known, he was known as Abraham. Abraham, Abraham. And which meant high father. God later on changed his, God later on changed his, changed his name to Abraham which means father of a multitude. Uh, the Bible says that we too, when we get to heaven, we're going to get a new, a new name in Revela Revelations 2.17. says we're going to get a white stone with a new name on it. Abraham is mentioned 308 times in the Bible. Three religions recognize Abraham as the father of their faith. The Jews, the Muslims, and us, the Christians. It's over. Abraham is known as, a, as Father Abraham. Does anybody know that song, Father Abraham? All right. I don't have to teach you guys. <laughs> well, if we have time afterwards. Uh, uh. Oh, this is already open. All right, anyway. Abraham came from a previous family. It is believed that Abraham grew up in a pagan home. Terah was his father. He was an idolater. He made and sold idols. There's even a story in Jewish tradition about how Abraham one day bro broke all his father's idols in his shop with a stick 
and he and he and he left the stick in the biggest idol's hands. When his dad saw it and asked what happened, Abraham Abraham said that the idol had done it. But his dad said, "That's impossible. It can't be. It's just stone." And Abraham said, "Exactly. You're exactly right." It's just the stone. There is only one true God. The Bible tells us that Abraham's dad decided to move to Canaan. He takes with him Abraham and his wife Sarah, along with Lot, his grandson. On the way to Canaan, Abraham, Abraham's father dies in Haran, which is now Turkey. God, calls, God then calls Abraham while at Haran, and at, age, at the age of 45, at the age of 75, God promises him to be a great nation, to bless him, and not just to bless him, but that he himself will be a blessing. Let's go to Genesis 12, 1 and 3. It's, it reads, uh, Now the Lord said to Abram, Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This, this blessing included a land, a nation, and that even Jesus was going, to be, was going to come from his offspring. According to verse 3, the last sentence, it says, and you shall... And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's talking about that even, that's, that's a reference to Jesus. We see here how God begins to speak to Abraham face to face. Abraham ex accepts the call and his journey with God begins. In verse 1, um, it's, it begins with God saying, get out of your country. But Abraham, Abraham had just left his country with his dad. It's as if God was telling Abraham to come back. Is like is it's as if God if God was telling Abraham not to come not to go back anymore after his dad died, Abraham probably had still his country in his heart. It it, it it's just that it's as if though Abraham wanted to go back when his dad died, but God steps in and tells him to continue to leave. The call of God came to Abraham. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first heard the gospel? When you gave your life to Christ? That's when your journey with God begins. That same calling is still there for all mankind today. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Now is the day of salvation. God is still calling you right now. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for Abraham. It was costly for Abraham. He was going to be an outsider, kind of when you become a Christian. We leave the world, our old lifestyle. We take up our cross and follow Christ. People who thought people who you thought were your friends don't want to be your friends anymore because they want you to remain in sin with them. Nevertheless, Abraham accepted the call and went. He never went back. He never, he never went back, and he gave it all up. 
as he gave everything up, he gained the blessing. He gained God's blessing upon his life. We also gained this blessing of Abraham. We have it because of Christ. In these verses, it's basically saying, you will, be, you will be blessed, you and your descendants. He's saying that to Abraham. You will be blessed, you and your descendants, but also the Gentiles that have accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts. They will have the same blessings that I have blessed you with. In Galatians 3.8, if you can put that up. If not, I can find it. Galatians 3.8. Here we go. There it is. The script. We see what is called here the gospel in advance. And we can, I guess, I'll read that. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, And you all the nations shall be blessed. And in Galatians 3.29. It says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We see that once in Christ, we the Gentiles cash into Abraham's blessing. We are now Abraham's seed. We are now Israelites. We have been adopted. We are now descendants of Abraham. We are blessed with Abraham. We have the same God Abraham got. We have the same God Abraham, Abraham had. We get it all. But, but for what purpose? The goal of the blessing is to make you a blessing. He blesses you with education, wealth, jobs, family, whatever God has blessed you with. It's not to hold on to, but to give it away. We are to be a blessing to others that they might get saved. Are you a blessing or are you a burden? Proverbs eleven twenty four. If you can turn there. Oh, there it is. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. So we're not to we're not to hold on to our blessing just to ourselves. We're to share it and and bless other people. Uh, if you can go back to Genesis two and twelve, two uh, verses two and three. Here we see the 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 I wills. And and you see the you shall you shall the I wills in verse two it says I will make you a great nation that's an I will I will bless you that's another I will and make your name great that's considered another I will but the 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 one that sticks out is and you shall be a blessing that's like God commanding and saying you are gonna be a blessing so since we're gonna be a blessing we're not supposed to hang on to it, we're supposed to give it away. Abraham continues his journey with the blessing. He and Sarah, along with his nephew Lot, moved from Haran to the land of Canaan, which is now Jerusalem. God's, God appears to him while in Canaan and promises him the land, also known as the land of milk and honey. Later on, Abraham begins to question God in Genesis 15, 1-6. through 6. And it's uh, Genesis 15, 1 through 6, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, 
what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall be your heir, but this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and, it, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So here, uh, Abraham questions God about his promise. Abraham tells God that he has no hair of his own body, plus Sarah, his wife, was barren. And the only one that would inherit the blessing would be Eleazar, his servant. But God reassures his promise. Have you ever had, have you ever questioned God about his promises? God appears to Abraham in Genesis 17. He reassures his promises, his promise once again, and changes his name from Abraham to Abraham. God also changes Sarah's name, Sarah's name, which was, it was Sarai's, to Sarah. Sarai meant princess, my princess, changed it to Sarah, mother of nations. And he tells Abraham that she will give him a son at her old age of 90 years old. Abraham laughs and questions it. In Genesis 18, three angels appeared to Abraham while he sat in front of his tent in the heat of the day. They were on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham offers them some Middle Eastern hospitality and they eat. They tell Abraham that Sarah was going to have a son. Sarah hears it from the tent and she laughs. This is where we get the name Isaac, which means laughter. Some time passes on, and in chapter 21, Isaac is born. So from the time that God promised Abraham in chapter 12 to chapter 21, it was 25 years. It took 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled. So now here Abraham gets a glimpse of the promise to be a great nation. Then after that, 13 years pass by, and Isaac is almost a teenager. This is where chapter 22 picks up. Abraham, Abraham's journey leads up to this event. So we're going to go ahead and go back to um, Genesis 22. And we're going gonna, gonna to break this chapter down. So verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, Now it came after... Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and he, said to him, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. This is a passage of scripture where skeptics say, how could you to sacrifice a child? The Quran, the Muslim Bible, talks about this, but they believe that it was Ishmael, not Isaac, who was chosen as a sacrifice. And the Quran does not even mention, it doesn't even mention Ishmael. They just assume it's Ishmael because that's the one, that's, the, all the Arabs are descendants of Ishmael. And so most of the Arabs are Muslims. And so they assume that it's, it was Ishmael that was to be, to be uh, chosen to be a sacrifice. We see from this passage that God tested Abraham, which means God would also, God will always, God will also test us. 
we already know that God blesses, that God's blessing is upon our lives, that we are, that we are a blessed people. But now we see another side of God's character. We see, we see God, we see that God tests us. Why does God test us? Some reasons why God tests us is to develop our character, to strengthen us. He uses it to deepen our faith. Through that pressure, we go to God in prayer. He has a purpose behind it. He doesn't do it to get a kick out of it. A test reveals what you're made of. It shows your character. A test reveals the faith in our hearts. Faith will be tested. Just because we are saved and have the same blessings of Abraham doesn't mean we will have it easy all the time. Abraham himself was, Abraham himself was tested. In John 16, 33, if you can turn there, Jesus gives us a promise. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus gives us a lot of promises, and this is one of them, that we will have tribulation, that we will have testings. So enjoy the days that you don't have any testings. Don't ask God for a test. It's, a, it's not a question if you're going to be tested, but it's when you are going to be tested. It's been said that you are either going through a test, a trial, or that you just went through one, or that one is just around the corner. So don't be surprised like Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12. If you can, there it is. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing that had, has happened to you. We can't be, those are the ones that, the ones that catch you off guard. Um, sometimes they can make you bitter. They can make you bitter towards God. So that's why the Bible warns us not to be surprised. God sometimes uses a test to show you that the things in life you thought mattered really don't matter. Like being number one at something or having the best, the best of this or the best of that. It can be anything you value. A test gives you a different perspective of life. I remember 25 years ago when I was a baby in Christ, some guy told me, oh, you're a Christian? He goes, he goes I don't want to be a Christian. My mom's a Christian, and she goes through a bunch of stuff. She gets sick. She, she goes through a bunch of stuff. I don't want to be a Christian. I was like, all right. And I was a baby in Christ, so I was like, okay. Some other brother told me, hang on to the ride. So what happens when you pass a test at school? You go to the next level. God takes you to the next level in your faith with God when you pass. God wants you to pass the test. It always feels better when you pass than fail. Unfortunately, we fail the test sometimes. We all fall short. Abraham failed a, failed a few times. He fell two times out of fear when he asked, when he asked Sarah, his wife, to say that she, that she was his sister in Genesis 12, 11 to 13. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful continence. Therefore, what happened when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. 
please say you are my sister, that I may be well with, with me for your sake, and, I, and that I may live because of you. And later on in chapter 20, it's the same thing. He does the same thing. Sarah probably was like, really? Didn't God promise us that you were going to curse those, that, that he was going to curse those who cursed us? Sarah, in fact, was his half-sister. But when, when God first called Abraham, he was already married to her. Abraham was a sinner. Later on, the Bible talks about, the, the Bible forbids incest. All Abraham, all Abraham had to do was just be honest, and God would have protected him regardless. Abraham also failed a test when he tried to help God out by going into Sarah's maid servant, Hagar. Let's go to uh, Genesis 16, 1 through 4. Now Sarai... Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain, my, obtain children by her. And Abraham indeed, and Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Abraham was like, okay, to Sarah's idea. Ishmael, he was born after that. Abraham failed to be still and wait upon God, to let God do it in his own time. Ishmael was a work of the flesh. God doesn't recognize the works of the flesh. Many Christians are trying to help God out. God will not reward, reward works of the flesh. Be careful in trying to help God out in, in something he's not into. Abraham passes the test with Lot. The land was... He, 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 passed, he actually passes this test with Lot. And what happened with Lot is that the land was not able to support Abraham and Lot because their flocks grew. Fights began to break out between the servants of Abraham and Lot. Let's go to Genesis 13, 8 through 13. So Abraham took, said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Verse 13. But, men, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So here we see that Abraham passes the test. Abraham didn't get angry with Lot because of what was happening. He didn't escalate. He didn't 
He didn't uh, continue to to fight. He didn't lose a fuse. He didn't tell Lot to leave. He didn't flip out, but he became a, pe a peacemaker. He gives Lot the first choice of the land. Lot chooses the land near Sodom because it was greener. But greener is not always better. The grass always looks greener on the other side. That's probably Lot's quote right there. Lot's choice, Lot's choice put to be a foolish one as the wickedness of Sodom was very great according to verse 13. Lot's lesson illustrates the folly of making things based on external.